Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, welcome to another episode of Not Overthinking. How's it going, Ali? It's going really well, thank you for asking, Tamor. I've had a great week on my surgical placement. It's been pretty frantic, manic, but like in a good way. It's like there's always something to do. And therefore, when I get to the end of the day, I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's six o'clock already. So I think that's a good, a good place to be. What about you? You've recently come back from a, a trip abroad. Yeah, I've just got back from Singapore last night. It's actually really great, I think, if you live in the UK and then you travel to sort of somewhere more Eastern, because then when you come back, you're jet lagged, but it means you wake up nice and early. So like, I've been out since about half five in the morning. And so even though we're recording this like seven, half seven, which is, I wouldn't be awake at this time normally. I feel great. This is awesome. Excellent. That's great to hear. Uh, should we just jump into this week's, this week's topic? And this week, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the idea of feedback or taking advice or taking criticism or things like that. So, as you know, with our episode last week was the first time we had uh, an interviewee, like a guest on the show, and also the first time we tried recording remotely. So you were in Singapore, Paul and I were in the UK, and we were doing this weird shenanigan thing where we were recording it remotely. And we had a couple of comments from people, including our mom, saying that uh, she felt that the episode lacked energy or lacked kind of interest. And that really got me thinking as to how, how much we should kind of take, take on board feedback of this sort. Do you have any thoughts on the topic? Oh man, I've got lots of thoughts on this topic. I, I think this is sort of related to stuff we've talked about, about like self-help and how I kind of got a bit disillusioned by that whole thing because I, it, I feel like it promised me all the answers and it didn't really provide them. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's really hard. Um, I think when it comes to, uh, for some reason in my head at least, I don't know if you, you'll agree with this. I think I've spent most of my life thinking that there are answers for most things and that someone has the answers and that they can tell you the answers and then and then you're good. And so I think there's, there's a real trap when it comes to feedback and advice where if you have this sort of mindset that I, I have and I'm trying to sort of break out of it where you, you kind of feel like there are right answers and someone give them to you, then you kind of overweight individual pieces of feedback and that's not necessarily good. So one thing, uh, one sort of area that I'm getting feedback from lots of people on at the moment is that I'm trying to start this company with my friend and we're trying to figure out exactly what kind of companies we should target. Um, and so we're speaking to various people about whether they might use the kind of product that we're building. Um, and so I chatted to one of our cousins who's an actuary and his advice was was all very much related to, oh yeah, you should do this, this and this because then actuaries will use it. And I spoke to another guy who used to work as an accountant and he said, oh yeah, you should do th these other things and then accountants will love this thing. And then I spoke to a guy in private equity and he was like, oh actually, forget about finance. There's no way you can ever sell to finance. They're really old school. They don't want new software and so all these people who in my, my mindset going into these meetings was that these people have the answers i just ask them what we should do they'll tell us what to do and we'll do it and yet they've all given different pieces of advice feedback um pretty contradictory and so at the end of the day it's still up to us to figure out what the hell we're doing but actually on that note i think uh, a lot of our listeners would be intrigued to know like what is this business that that you started that gets you in the room with people in private equity and actuaries and, and all this sort of stuff like what are you working on these days uh, that's a good question. I'm sort of winding down from my, I guess, day job uh, at Retool, uh, which is a startup in San Francisco. Uh, and my friend and I are starting 
a, a company where we're, we're building a new kind of modeling tool. So uh, if you've worked in any kind of business, you probably know that pretty much the whole economy runs on Microsoft Excel. Every company is making all their decisions um, based on models that they build in Excel to kind of project how much money they're going to have in the future and, you know, what new lines of business might do for them and so on. And so there's, there's all this work being done in Excel to create models for things. Um, but we, we, our main thesis is that we don't think Excel was designed for modeling. Uh, and actually, if you, if you go back to the 1980s, the, f the very first version of the spreadsheet software, which was called VisiCalc, it actually looks pretty much exactly the same as Excel does today. So in like, you know, 30, 40 years, there hasn't actually been any change in, in spreadsheet software, but it's so flexible and so easy to use that it's like the default way for anyone to program a computer. Anytime you need to do something involving numbers on a computer, you just bash open Excel and, and crunch some numbers and you don't need to know how to program. You just need to know like basic maths. Okay, uh, one semi-related question. Uh, what does what does modeling mean for the for the uninitiated amongst us? Modeling is a really hard term. Actually, yeah, because I remember basically since like the end of secondary school, I kept hearing the word modeling and models in like so many different contexts. And everyone was like, oh, like so many different people would be like, oh yeah, we do like modeling for this thing. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, what the hell is modeling? Everyone's doing modeling. <laughs> uh, in this case, modeling just means uh, sort of creating a simplified version of the world that lets you sort of think about things nicely. So if maybe if you, yeah, Ali, you, you run a, a little business on the side, uh, six med, maybe you want to see, okay, how do we, uh, you know, how much money might, might we make next year? So you might make a spreadsheet where you enter stuff like, okay, well, how many customers do we have last year and the year before that and the year before that? And then you might say, okay, so our customers are growing by like 20% each year. So for next year, maybe we'll have 20% more customers. And so that'll be one part of your model. And then there might be another part saying, okay, how much money do different lines of business within six med make? Um, and then maybe you'll like project that into the future for next year to make those forecasts. So a model is just like uh, a simplified view of the world that, that helps you sort of understand how things work. Uh, and we're building like a, a new modeling tool. Cool, fair enough. So, you, so you're basically building the next Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Excel, but for more like business businessy focused people not really for consumers like like me well i think in tech nowadays there's sort of a, a bit of a shift towards like these sort of prosumer products where they're making they're making their money from businesses but they're actually really useful for individuals and consumers uh, an example is Airtable. they're also sort of taking one slice of excel functionality um, which is the, the sort of database use case. Lots of people use Excel and spreadsheets just to store data. And so Airtable have come along and they've turned that into its own product. And businesses are paying money uh, to them to use this, but loads of individuals actually use this too. And a lot of the positive feedback we've gotten for Causal, which is what we're building, uh, is from individuals saying, man, I'd love to use this to like do my personal finances and model my real estate investments and this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but I think... I th yeah, I think feedback and advice is, is going to be like a massive part of what we're doing in these early stages and even after that. And so, yeah, at the moment, I'm really grappling with like figuring out how how to take advice from people. Okay, so I think there's a different sort of mental model, again, with this word, this word model, um, that you have with this business versus what we have with this podcast. Because I guess you're already with the business is creating something from something from scratch, not quite knowing what people are going to use it for and kind of trying to get that advice in order to form how you build, build your product. But when it comes to creative fields, like, for example, I don't know, writing or illustration or podcasting or YouTubing and things like that, the general advice tends to be that the creativity should almost come from within and that you shouldn't really listen too hard to what people are telling you about your stuff because ultimately it's more about what you want to make and the more you can exercise that own personal creativity muscle, the better a thing you will you will make in the long term. So 
in a, in a way that sort of taking taking advice about your stuff becomes even more subjective than it is in your thing because in your thing pe- these are people who are going to buy your product who are giving you advice for it in in this podcast for example it's people who are who are, who are listening to it i don't know if if you think of those in in any different ways just because someone's not paying for something is there sh- should you take their advice with a pinch more salt yeah that's an interesting question i think i i think it sort of depends on the goals and stuff so like for something like a podcast or if you're creating art or content or whatever right a big part of that is putting some part of yourself out in the world and so yes you could like completely pander to your audience and maybe it'll go really well um but that might not be your goal right your goal might be to sort of be really real and authentic and connect with people um sort of through yourself rather than just pandering to you know whatever people click on on the internet um and so in yeah in in those kinds of areas i think advice is le- yeah you want to you want to downweight advice a little bit or at least downweight a certain kind of advice so for example if if you have a very particular sort of vision for i don't know what the aesthetic of your youtube videos should look like something like that and you want to like create this one particular aesthetic um and someone tells you oh man actually actually orange is my favorite color you, you should switch from blue to orange i think that's the the kind of advice you can fairly disc you know discount and not really um yeah pay any attention to whereas if it's sort of advice that doesn't relate to the very personal part of what you're doing for example if someone if, if lots of people are saying hey man I think your audio setup's really weird. I can't I can't really hear you. You know, that's the kind of advice which is a lot more objective and isn't related to the very personal side of what you're doing. And that's the kind of advice that you should probably take on board. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. But I suppose most advice does fit somewhere on the spectrum between I don't like the color orange and, you know, your audio quality is objectively worse than other podcasts that I've heard. Um some of the feedback, I mean like, you know, uh I don't want to give the impression that, you know, people were emailing us absolutely hating on this podcast episode, but there were sort of like, like two emails that we got, which is unusual because people like for the, for, for the last five episodes, people have been generally very glowing about, about it. And I suppose the people who have, who haven't enjoyed it, haven't really felt compared, felt compelled to give us feedback, which is kind of a shame because we do want to get negative feedback. We want, we want to hear advice about how we can improve the podcast, but, um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, so I was saying like most advice falls 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 somewhere in the spectrum. And so, for example, when someone says, "I felt this podcast episode lacked lacked energy," then I suppose we kind of think that yeah, actually that, that that's a really good point. It did lack energy. Maybe the reasons why were A, B, and C, and we can address that for the future because I think it it's generally accepted that you know a higher energy podcast is going to be more engaging to listen to, and it doesn't really detract much from the creative element to it. I think when when taking feedback, it's very easy to go the other way almost and and discount all feedback by saying oh well you know this is just how i am and i think this is kind of similar to this idea of be yourself that we love to pedal around you know oh just be yourself it doesn't really matter um but what if the yourself that you're being is not very charismatic not very confident really shy really introverted not the sort of person who would you know be happy to put themselves out there and you want to be the sort of person to put themselves out there but you're getting this conflicting advice that oh you know just be yourself um so i think there's a you know this component of there are some things that are universally probably legit when it comes to creative fields like podcasting that higher energy a bit more confidence a bit more a bit more flair enthusiasm is is, is normally going to be a good thing and i think that's the sort of feedback that we should take on board and and actively act on what do you reckon 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so please keep sending that kind of stuff in. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't know how you felt when we were recording that podcast, but I, yeah, I kind of felt it was kind of low energy. It was also a different format and we weren't like in the same physical space. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that was different. So yeah, w- we love that kind of feedback. I think another kind of feedback that we do get is that some people find some topics more interesting than others. And so we'll do a podcast um, and afterwards I'll think, oh man, there wasn't anything interesting there. That was, that was kind of rubbish. Um, and then we'll get like a message from one of our friends saying, oh my God, that was like my favorite one so far. Or like, it would be a topic that our mom doesn't find interesting. And she'll say, oh, that was kind of boring actually. Um, and Callum might say, oh dude, that was, that was so sick. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of subjectivity in stuff like interestingness. I'm sure there is like an objective component to interestingness too. It's, it's kind of hard to tease those apart. Um, but I think what this all really comes down to is like, and at least for me, and this, this is a big thing that I'm trying to do in my life at the moment, is to move away from this idea that there are right answers that people can give you um, and move towards an idea that you basically have to construct your own worldview. And it's all about getting, almost gathering data from lots of different sources and figuring out what bits of data to incorporate into your, your worldview and what bits of data to safely ignore. I have, I have actually a couple of examples here. So like, I remember back in the day, whenever I try and learn more about um, any, anything that isn't really math, so anything where there's, you know, it, it's hard to know what the right answer is. I'd like read some theory about, I don't know, economics or something like that. And I would think, oh, that's, that's pretty compelling. Or maybe, maybe not even economics, just anything in general. I think, oh, that's really compelling. And then if, if you look at the Wikipedia page for almost anything, uh, especially like theories about stuff. There's always a section called like criticism of this thing. And so I'd like, I'd like read this thing. I think, oh, wow, these, this, this is genius. This is so good. Then I scroll down, read the criticism of it. And then I'm like, what? <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? Expert A is saying that this is true. Expert B is saying expert A is wrong. I don't know much about this myself. What the hell am I meant to believe? <laughs> Yeah, no, I can I can fully relate to this. Uh, I've been listening to several episodes of the Indie Hackers podcast recently. Uh, that's made a, a, a resurgence in my life. Um, and, you know, this is a podcast where people who have made successful businesses are talking about how they built those businesses and, and offering advice. And there was one really good episode with uh, Jason Cohen, who's the founder of WP Engine, who is the company that I use for my web hosting. They're very expensive, but they're very good. Um, a bit of wealth signaling right there. Uh, am I right? <laughs> um, he was saying that he's, you know, he's he's been doing this whole entrepreneurship thing for like twenty years, and his point was that when when taking advice, any you you know, like w- one piece of advice is going to say that you should always self fund your company, you should never take on investment. Another piece of advice would say that you know there's no point in self funding a company, you should get investment from from venture capital, and you know a, an intelligent person could very convincingly make both sides of the case so when it comes to when it comes to taking advice you have to be aware that there really is no right answer the right answer depends on you know whatever your own personal goals are or actually you know his 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 main thesis was that it's it's not about what the right answer is it's just about the various bits of advice that you draw into your mental model should be consistent with with one another so for example when it comes to making software and deciding how much to price your software at you know one way of doing it is pricing it super super high um or one way of doing it is pricing it super super low if you price super high you're going to have fewer people using it if you price very low you're going to have more people using it so that's one aspect of pricing you know some people are going to say you should always charge more some people are going to say oh you know you should make it affordable 
Then there's another aspect of it. That's, you know, how much customer support should you offer? Some people are going to say, you know, we're going to make customer support a unique selling point. We're going to always be available 24-7 on live chat and on, on a phone call. Other people would say, you know, something like Gmail has zero customer support. And yet billions of people around the world use Gmail. So the thing that, you know, when it comes to taking advice, the, like every aspect of your business, every aspect of your life is going to have these different strands. And provided they are consistent, you'll probably get a reasonable result. For example, you can't really have a, re a very low price service and also offer amazing customer support. That just is, is inconsistent. It's not going to work mathematically, economically. So if you are... So if you're going down the route of making software, you have to make, make decisions that are consistent with one another. And I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying about having goals. Like, what are our goals for this podcast? What is the goal for my YouTube channel? What's the goal of your business? The goal of your business, I suppose, is to, you know, generate revenue to sort of create a dent in the universe, whatever you, you've decided about that. <laughs> the goal is to make the world a better place. To make the world a better place. Very Silicon Valley-esque. Um, so that's the goal of your business, the goal of this podcast. I, I, I don't think we've quite decided yet, but I think partly it's a creative exercise. Partly it's just because chatting is fun. Partly because, you know, it's nice to get our ideas out there. It doesn't, again, have, have quite defined a goal. And I think this sort of goes back to another thing that I, I like to talk about. And that's perhaps what we talked about in the episode about consistency. Is that whether or not you want to hustle, you know, for, for example, we could say that, oh, we want to release a new podcast every single day. And... People in the podcast world might think that that's a bit much. People in the content creation world might think that, oh, you know, the, the more frequently you can put out content, the better it is. But putting out content every single day is not consistent with the goals of this podcast, which is to have fun, to maybe reach people who are, who are interested in ideas, and also to make it a sustainable thing. Because creating content every single day when it's not your job is almost impossible. Um, so defining your goals almost, and then deciding what advice you take, like, is it consistent with those goals is, I think, a really big part of taking advice. Yeah, I think one specific thing related to this podcast that I always get stuck on is that like, I'd, I'd love I'd love for us to do more preparation. I'd love for us to like specifically read up on what other people have said and thought about the topics that we talk about. And, and in my head, I always think, oh man, that episode would, would have been so much better if we'd like read up on this thing you know, just before talking about it. But deep down, I know that the goal of this podcast is not to be something, you know, that we, we spend 20 hours preparing for each week. That just wouldn't be feasible. We'd end up putting no episodes out there. Um, and so you kind of have to grapple with the fact that, yes, we, we want the episodes to be good. We want it to be well-informed and all that stuff. But at the same time, it can't be so much work that would that would stop us from doing it. And so we've kind of had to put the the whole preparation thing on the on a bit of a back seat because we know that it sort of contradicts the the, the more primary goals of the podcast. And actually on that note of primary goals, I think the most primary goal of the podcast is is consistency. Like we just absolutely have to get an episode out every week. And we were talking about this in the car yesterday and it, it, it seems a bit, it's a, it's, it seems a bit counterintuitive. Um, and I came out with the phrase that, you know, consistency is more important than quality. And I think I really, I really do agree with that, especially, especially in something that's just starting out, especially in, in any kind of creative field, thing, things like, you know, YouTube videos, podcasting, blogging, you know, just being able to do it once a week consistently, it almost doesn't matter how good you think the thing is, because a finished product is, is far better than a perfect product. If, you know, like, yeah, the, the phrase uh, done is better than perfect. What do you, what do you think to that? I, I think I, I agree specifically for this podcast. Uh, in sort of the writing world, 
there, there are people who've done sort of both. There are people who've been like very successful bloggers and stuff who, who wrote like two amazing posts a year for like two years and uh, just blew up from there. There are people who, you know, write every single day, write every single week. There are different things that work for different people. Um, I had a point I wanted to make here one sec. Ah, yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing, uh, I, I think for the podcast, it really is about consistency. And I think that's partly because we're probably not the best judges of which podcasts were good and which weren't. Um, for example, I don't know, and at least half the podcasts we've recorded afterwards, I kind of feel, oh man, that could have been better in this way. That, that may, Was that even interesting? There was no nothing insightful there. Um, and then other other people might find it actually quite interesting. And there might be other podcasts where I thought, oh man, we had such a good idea. Man. God, we really know this stuff. And other people are just like, what the hell were you talking about? Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I think like consistency is good because it kind of averages all this stuff out. Um, it, it doesn't sort of overfit to your own opinion and taste about what you think is good. Uh, it kind of means that chances are in the long term, there'll be plenty out, plenty of content that you've created that kind of tailors to lots of different people. Um, and so I think you've got, you've got to like, yeah, maybe downplay your own opinion of how something went because it might not be that accurate. Yeah, 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 I think I... Uh I agree with that. We are very poor judges of what is what is actually good. And this is a really common thing amongst a lot of YouTubers where you would hear people say say stuff like, "Oh, you know, I spent 80 hours working on that amazing travel vlog of my trip to, you know, the the Bahamas or, or whatever." And that only got like 10,000 views. You know, obviously, you know, all things relative, 10,000 views is still is still pretty solid. But then, you know, I just sat in front of my in, in front of my webcam and I spoke for 20 minutes about my uh, about my breakup or about my thoughts and feelings about how my day went. And that got 500,000 views. It's it's completely insane. Like, uh, you, you know, people have this have have this experience, and I've certainly had this experience where we you would release a video thinking, oh, this is a bit crap. Um, I don't know why I'm releasing this, but you know, I've, I, I suppose I should because I, I need to release a video once a week. And then that video ends up doing a lot better than videos that you perhaps thought were much more of a masterpiece. And so, like having had this experience so often and having heard about it so often, I now almost completely discount my own opinion of what my content is like because I know that, you know, fair enough. Some people are going to like it, some people are not going to like it, and some some things are going to resonate with people more than more than other things. Um, one thing that Tim Ferriss, you know, our old uh, our favorite guru, likes to say is that uh, if you if you aim for every piece of content to be loved by 10% of your audience, that is a good place to be. Because the more you try and make your make your stuff appeal to everyone, the less any specific person is going to absolutely love what you're saying. So I think this sort of 10% is is quite a good quite a good rule of thumb. Um, things like my monthly favorites videos where I talk about my favorite books and stuff, you know, those get a lot fewer views than things like an iPad review. But I've had emails and messages from people saying that they love the monthly favorite style of videos. It feels a bit more personal. It's more the sort of thing they watch and they don't really care about, you know, how to study or how, how to use an iPad. So that encourages me that, you know what, this is actually valuable. People seem to like this. Therefore, I'm going to keep doing it on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think uh, it sort of on, on the face of it, it seems like lots of domains in life are about accumulating uh, sort of quantity of attention in, in a sense, like number of followers on Twitter or, or, you know, number of subscribers to a YouTube channel or whatever. Um, I'm sure there are analogs in, in pretty much every field. Like, I don't know how much money you're making at your job or, or stuff like that. Um, when actually, certainly in my experience, it's really about... Yeah, the, the sort of the depth of the connection that you're having. Um, and so like, 
I haven't I don't have that many followers on Twitter and I know I know people who are like prolific on in certain spheres on Twitter who have like less than less than 10,000 followers and they have like a few thousand followers but they've like created this really intimate community uh, of people who follow each other and follow them and they meet up in real life and they really genuinely sort of engage with one another and I think that's like massively valuable um and so yeah I think da- downweighting the sort of the outward metrics and thinking about what your what your real metrics are uh, is important. And I think m- more often than not, the real metric should be like, yeah, like you say, how many people loved this thing? Uh, it should be sort of depth rather than breadth almost. Uh, I think one one other really dangerous dimension to advice and feedback and stuff is that, again, I can only speak for myself here. I suspect this applies to lots of people. I think it depends on who's giving the advice. You know, I, I think especially, I don't know, in, in the way we've grown up in school and stuff, a lot of emphasis is put on authority figures and people who are older and people who are experienced and things like that. And so much of society revolves around appeasing authority figures that if there is someone in a position of authority who gives you know, to you, uh, if you see them as, a, as, as an authority figure and they give you advice, I think you can't help but take that advice far more seriously than if it was from someone who wasn't in a position of authority. And I think that's really dangerous because I think, honestly, in in large part, authority figures don't really have any more answers than non-authority figures. I, I think it, it probably depends on the domain. If you're talking about something quite specific and you go to like an expert in this subject or whatever, you should probably listen to, to her or him. Um, but in, in, in so many other things, it, it, you, you should try and figure out, okay, this person to me is an authority figure but he, he or she is an authority figure in this particular field. And so I should take their advice very strongly in that field. But if they're telling me about, you know, some other random thing, they probably don't know that much about it. And I think you, you, you can't help but think they do know about all these other things, even though they're really just the authority in this one narrow area. Um, so, for example, at my, at my job right now, often we'll have like a, an idea that we think is quite good about something we should do. Or like, oh, we should start writing blog posts of this kind of format. Um, and, and because we just came up with the idea ourselves, we're like, yeah, it sounds good, but I don't know. And then like one of our investors or advisors or someone who's like really experienced will tell us, oh yeah, you should write blog posts of this kind of format. Then we'll think, whoa, wow, that's, that's so genius. And, and it's like the same idea that we came up with just a few months ago. We just downweighted our own idea until an authority figure told us to do that thing as well. Okay, so so what you're, uh, I'm not sure how much how, how much how much I agree with this. Like, I I appreciate the sentiment that we all probably overvalue the advice from authority figures, but I think you know even if someone is just a few years older than us and we're asking about a domain where age uh, uh, effectively correlates with experience, for example, within medicine, if I want to get careers advice, I'm going to go to someone who is in the position that I kind of want to be and ask, you know, have you got any tips? for how, how I go about doing this stuff. Um, but what I'm doing is that any any advice they give, I am applying to my own model of where I think they're going and also taking into account the fact that they're old and don't know how the internet works, most likely. Um, so, for example, if I were to ask my mum what the best way to get ahead in medicine is, or, you know, you know this idea of getting ahead, uh, we, can, we, we can argue about, um, she'd probably say, you know, it's all about getting those extra postgraduate degrees. It's maybe about doing, you know, a research project in Harvard, getting your name in big name publications and ultimately working towards becoming a professor, um, which is which speaks to a very specific worldview that very much values academic authority as a thing and given that i now know this about her any advice i have to take with that grain of salt where i'm saying okay that's 
the place where she's coming from. How does that relate to my own model of and of how I think the world works, which is things like uh, you know YouTube and the internet and social media and stuff becoming much more of a big deal? To what extent can I apply this advice to the new world as I see it in my own mental model? But when it comes to things like you know if someone's been through ten different like relationship breakups then, you know, they're probably a reasonable judge of how to cope with a breakup. And therefore, asking for their, their advice might seem a, a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, I, 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 you said you were going to disagree with me, but it sounds like you've just completely agreed with me there. I, I think, like, the domain of careers is one domain in which it's, like, so heavily weighted towards authority figures. Because, like, who else do you ask about, like, careers advice but people who are in those careers who are, like, older than you and stuff? Um, and so... A career, careers advice is very much dominated by authority figures but i think things are changing in careers so fast right now that genuinely if you're like in school right now or something you should probably severely downweight career advice from anyone above the age of 30 um that they, they've grown up in like a completely different world from you um and like the yeah well the kinds of career advice that i think is really valuable nowadays the kinds the kind of advice i'm seeing on like twitter and stuff from people who are sort of in the native to this sort of new age of the world of work um you know where social media matters and so on um it's it's wildly different to the kind of career advice that older people tell you so i think i think you have agreed with me that like yeah authority doesn't necessarily mean that they're right about everything that sounds like an obvious statement and so you should like try and figure out the context of the person from whom you're seeking advice um yeah in the case of the the person who's had 10 breakups they probably know a thing or two about breakups for sure well yeah so it does sound like we we, we agree pretty much you're right as always um so should we start wrapping this up so we kind of started with the idea of, of feedback because we had you know w like two or three pieces of you know, in inverted commas, negative feedback about the previous episode. But then equally, you know, I got a text from Callum last night saying it was his favorite episode. He really enjoyed the topics we were talking about. He didn't seem to notice much that the energy was a bit low. So I suppose what we talked about is that when that it's, it's really useful to get all sorts of feedback, all sorts of advice from people, but you have to apply that and, and, and think about how it relates to your own model of and your own goals of, of how your thing, how your thing works. So, you know, if you guys have any feedback about the show at all, please send it our way. We read everything. We respond to most things. Um, but equally, as we're getting negative advice, we're, we're, we're applying it to our own mental model of how we want our podcast to work um, and trying not to overly overly respond to any one piece of advice you know some there were there were a few itunes reviews in the early days actually you know like one star reviews that oh these these are just two rich white boys or you know something something along those lines and we don't want to overly <laughs> kind of fit to that i don't i don't know like ch by changing changing the way we speak or changing the things we talk about like yeah it's gonna it's gonna appeal to some people it's not gonna appeal to some people that's absolutely fine and i think we also talked about this idea of consistency and how just just putting put stuff like this podcast for a youtube channel even even for a blog at least the way we're doing it putting stuff out every week is is far more important than you know every every episode being an absolute masterpiece because partly as, as what you said we are very bad judges of what is a masterpiece and different things are going to resonate with different people absolutely uh, i'd like to retract a statement i made earlier i think i was uh, a bit too strong and specific about not taking careers advice from people above the age of 30 i just want to retract that uh, i don't think it accurately represents my views um but the, yeah the general sentiment was know the context of the people from whom you're taking advice so shall we wrap up yeah cool so for our final segment of insight or funny thing of the week i have i guess 
I think it's quite a funny thing. I watched a movie on the plane called Eighth Grade. It was an absolute masterpiece. It's directed by a guy called Bo Burnham. I think he made his start sort of making funny videos in the early days of YouTube. Then he got into like stand up and music. Um, amazing guy. Incredible film. It's just like so real. It's about like an eighth grader in her final week of eighth grade and she's just about to start like high school or something. Um, and it's, yeah, deals with, I think, the kind of stuff that basically everyone goes through around the age of 12, 13, you know, kind of school stuff. And it's, it's just so real and so, so funny and so, so like, yeah, just real is, is the most accurate word I can describe it with. Um, I'd highly recommend you watch Eighth Grade. What have you got for us this week, Ali? So actually, yesterday, I went to see a film in the cinema on my own for the first time. And I actually really enjoyed this experience. And I realized that there's not really much difference between going to the cinema by yourself and going to the cinema with a group of friends. Because the experience of watching a film is is very individual. You're not supposed to talk in a cinema. And I suppose you can then discuss the film afterwards. But I've never really been one to discuss films from a, a critical perspective. Like, pretty much, if a movie has the Marvel logo in, the, in, in, you know, in its opening, opening sequence, I... I I know I'm going to enjoy it and I'm not going to think too hard about the character development or how maybe this could have been done better. Um, and this was like, I'd finished work at about 8.15 and I, w- I was just thinking, what do I want to do this evening? I, w- I was planning to film a monthly favorites video episode. I was like, oh, you know, I can get this video out consistently. Um, but then I thought, you know what? I haven't seen Captain Marvel yet. I need to watch Avengers Endgame at some point soon. So I'll watch it beforehand. So then I just thought, you know, oh, it starts at 8.15. So I got an Uber to the cinema and decided to just watch it watch it by myself and have a, a completely unproductive evening. And it was nice. It's nice having a fully unproductive evening once in a while because now I feel energized today to do productive things. Um, yeah, it just uh, speaks to the idea of taking a break once in a while as being not generally a, a bad thing to do. Cool. I, uh, I know unproductive evenings all too well. That's it for this episode. If you liked it, please leave a review on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts and see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye-bye.